This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Yohei gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful day off, and it's time for a little A's Cast Live as we are back in business as the athletics are in our nation's capital to take on the Washington Nationals. What is this? What are we playing for? It actually is kind of interesting. We will get into that about, you know, we still have to think about the draft, but the thing is the draft has completely changed. Our old buddy Kevin Franzen, the kid from San Jose, Bellarmine Prep, and, of course, San Jose State great, as he is a San Jose State Hall of Famer, one of our great baseball pro, one of our great baseball players all time in the program. But we will not call him number one, and it will fry him. I can guarantee you that. Now does television for the Washington Nationals. Franny, it will be great to have the Bay Area kid back on Ace Cast Live. And then today... Since I'm also going to be double duty doing radio slash streaming slash television today as I will be hosting A's pre and post game live here in the studios of NBC with the great Bip Roberts. The Bipster is going to stop by at 2.30. One of my all-time favorite players growing up. I loved watching Bip. Hey, us guys that are um, height-challenged, tend to like other guys who are not the biggest guys in the world. I couldn't relate to 6465. I'm actually taller than Bip. I could I dunk on Bip Roberts? It's a good question. How tall are you? I'm 5'9". I oh. think I'm actually if we took our shoes off, I think I I think I'm taller than Bip Roberts. Baseball reference has Bip listed at 5'7", so yeah, you might be able to. Yeah. So Bip was my guy. I loved Bip growing up, and Bip was a Bip played the game the way you want to see the game played from an entertainment standpoint. He could do it all. He could run. He could play all these different positions. He had a little pop. He was a very versatile player. Boy, it, it, you look at some guys and how their games would translate. Bip Roberts had the type of game that translates in any era. 
Because, my God, what was he, a 297, 298 career average guy who ran like the wind? You don't think that would translate to today? Bip's career average, 294. 294. Well, i give him 297. 264 Uh, career steals. I mean, we just saw the Yankees in town, and, of course, that's a terrific series going on starting last night down in Anaheim. And we saw with the Yankees, this team with others vaunted offense and everything, you look up at the scoreboard, you take Aaron Judge and Ben Attendee, who they just traded for, and everybody's hitting 220, 230, 215. They're just like the A's, except we don't have Ben Attendee and Aaron Judge. Their lineup looks like the A's. I mean, Rizzo's hitting 220. I mean, everybody in their line. You take a guy like Bip, who's always around 300 for his career and who can run, like the wind, play all these defensive positions, boy, his value. See, the thing when guys like Bit played, there were a lot of guys like him. Maybe didn't run like him, but there was a lot of guys like him, so they didn't truly stand out, even though Bip was an all-star. But in today's game, a guy like him would stand out like a sore thumb in a good way. We'll talk to Bip about that. You know, Shooty Babbitt our legendary scout who works for the Oakland Athletics and said, man, if we, if I came up in today's game, I would have stayed around for more than a year. Yeah. A guy that makes contact can play the middle infield and can run that guy. We're playing Sheldon noisy at second base. Sheldon noisy. The man who doesn't play full time. Who's been sent down to Vegas multiple times. Who has, was it 13 airs on the year? Fact check me on that. It's 13 or 14. I'm going to err on 13 because I'd rather, rather be short than, than – I'd rather be under than over on this. I'm going to say off the top of my head, Noisy has 13, but it may be 14. Sheldon Noisy in 2022 um, has 7, 4, 13. 13. All right. 13? 13 errors? Guy that's been playing third base, second base, you can't hide him and can't run and doesn't hit for average and doesn't hit for power. That guy is staying in the league. What do you think a guy like Pip Roberts would be in today's baseball? Be pretty good. So Bip's going to join us at 2.30. Kevin Franz is at 1.30. Uh, Sunday was magical. And I know it's been a couple days. We've had a a little chance to breathe. We want to play you some of the interviews that I did this past Sunday on the field. If you were a season ticket holder and you were at the event, God bless you, it was was awesome. Where there were 16 from Art Howe to the players, trainers, coaches. We had 16 guys there for the Q&A with the 2002 team. That was magical. And it really shows how much those players meant to our fan base. Not saying that the players from the 70s didn't, but a lot of the people who come to our games on a regular basis, you didn't watch those teams. You weren't born yet. Or if you're like me, I was born in 72. I didn't watch those teams. I know about their greatness. I respect their greatness. But I didn't see it, so I don't I don't have that connection. Now, having this job, I've made connections with Vita Blue and Joe Rudy and these guys. And of course, 
my great friend, my great friendship, and we'll always miss him and love him, Ray Fossey. And then if we really get into a time when we're going to start honoring, I don't know if that's going to happen, 88, 89, 90 teams. Okay, now I'm in high school. Now I have way more of a connection because like when I'm here at NBC and I host a show with Dave Stewart, it's like I'm still like a little kid, right? I'm still like in high school. And even though that, you know, I've been in this business for over 30 years, I'm still looking over going, that's Dave Stewart. He's Dave Stewart. He was a star. Dave Stewart was a star baseball player. When I was in high school, my my formative years where you love baseball and you love it more than anything else because it's what you strive to be. I'm in awe when I see Dennis Eckersley. He's one of the great pitchers of all time. You know, really, I, it was an honor for me when I got asked. It was like funny because – they called me years ago when that documentary about Jose Canseco came out, and it was at the Concord Movie Theaters that they wanted me to host it with the documentary, the it was the director, the producer, da, 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 and with Jose Canseco. And they're like, would you do it? Because they thought, you know, there's this taboo thing about Jose and steroids and baseball. I was like, you kidding me? I'm all in. I'll host that and sit next to Jose Canseco all day long. He was one of my favorite players, Jose Canseco. And then it was like, well, how much would you charge? And I would say, I'll do it for free. I'll show up. But, no, yeah, of course, I wouldn't do that. I'm not stupid. But, yeah, I sat next to Jose Canseco and got to rap with Jose for like two hours. It means something. Well, now you start to understand my whole point is what O2 means. To so many people just 20 years ago. was a long time ago, but wasn't a long time ago. And what these players mean to our franchise mean to the community you know bud c league at you know a certain point i don't know the exact date the exact year but what do we call it retraction what were they talking about they're talking about you know hey we're looking at teams that are not doing well we're looking at teams that are not drawing and two of the teams that came up were and can't get new ballparks was oakland and minnesota Tampa wasn't on that list because Tampa, what was Tampa's first year? Was that in 99? So, Let me double check. in early 2000s, they're not going to talk about getting rid of a team they've just created. But what was the year that Bud Selig was actually talking about? Hey, maybe we need to go to 28 teams. Uh, 1998 was the Rays when the Rays Yeah, so in. you're not going to talk about yeah. getting rid of the Rays in the early 2000s when you no, just created them. According to Wikipedia – uh, November 6, 2000, 2001, the owners of 30 MLB teams in Major League Baseball voted 28-2 to eliminate two teams for the 2002 season. So 2001. But it said that it was going to be the Twins and the Expos event. But, yeah, but it's back in the early 2000s. Yeah, I remember the, they, they were talking about the A's. So, really, these guys started winning, you know, led by Giambi and crew, got Oakland back on the map, and this 2 team – took you through a wild ride that I compare them to the We Believe team of the Golden State Warriors, which was 06, yeah, 07. 06, 07, I think is the, the year it was. That, that We Believe team, Baron Davis, the whole thing, Don Nelson, what a ride that was. They made the trade with the, the Pacers. Uh, the rest is history. They knock off the Dallas Mavericks in the first round. Everybody loved 
the We Believe Warriors in that run. And then they'd lose to what, Utah? Yeah, Utah. So I remember doing Warriors pre and post on 95-7 when we were honoring the uh, We Believe Warriors. And I, I threw out this topic and I said, has there ever been a greater team in Bay Area history who didn't win a championship? And, of course, there's teams, right? I mean, you've had teams go to Super Bowls, go to World Series, and not win. But they got to that championship. And I go, I know. A's have been to World Series and haven't won. Giants have been to World Series and haven't won. Warriors have been to NBA Finals and haven't won. Sharks in the Stanley Cup. Sharks, Raiders, um, Niners. Everybody's been to championships and haven't won. But yet, we believe only won one round. That's all they won. They won one round. But it was so magical and their run to the end that people love that team. I mean, Steph and Clay have changed everything and becoming a dynasty and an NBA all-time great team. And it's been unbelievable to watch. We're all Warriors fans. But there's still there's that special something in our hearts for that we believe warrior teams that they those uniforms right the mascot thunder the uniforms that they bring out they just they spark that emotion baron davis over karolinko and the i mean you just there's things about that season that you remember you know taking down dirk Nowitzki and and the and the mavericks in the first round so to me that's kind of like what this o2 a's team is this O's to this O two A's team sparks that kind of emotion because they just weren't a good team that won. Uh, was one hundred and three games? I think so, it's one hundred and three. Uh, they're just not a team that won the division. They're just not a team that won one hundred and three games. Yeah, one hundred and three. They have the magical twenty game win streak, and then after that, not only do you have the win streak, this book out of nowhere, we had no idea. Michael Lewis is writing. Who knew? No one knew in 2002 some writer is following this thing around. No one knew that this guy was going to write a book that was going to be a bestseller that to this day in business schools around the world, they still bring up this book. The The Wharton School, is it Wharton? Wharton School. Of Wharton School of Business has a class called Moneyball. They teach it in Stanford Business. Dave Cavill's talked to us about it. He helps out. Is it Cavill helps out at Stanford? I think it is with Stanford, this. yeah. So you have the book. And everybody in business was reading this book. Every team in the Bay Area, even the Giants, was forcing, not just telling their employees, forcing their employees to read it. I remember the 49ers were the first one I ever heard. 49ers told everybody in their organization, read this book. You got somewhere to go? Your alarm's going off? No, that's my uh, that's my reminder to clock back in for my mandated 30-minute lunch. Okay, so everybody in business then started reading the book. And then we heard there's going to be a movie, there's going to be a movie, Kevin, oh, there's a different director. And then all of a sudden, finally, the you know, we watched, a lot of us, we watched the movie be made, had no clue. And then next, you know, Brad Pitt's playing Billy Bean and the rest is history. There is something special about this O2 team, and I don't think I'm wrong on this. 
They are the most famous baseball team to have never won anything. Think about that. Forever Moneyball will live. Forever it will be about this 0-2 team. What did they win? They won the division. They have one of the longest streaks of all time, but technically they didn't really win anything other than a division. But everybody knows about them. It's a star-studded team. Great players, no doubt. But it's a famous ball club. A book, a best-selling book, and a book and a movie that was up for an Oscar. Starring Brad Pitt, one of the biggest movie stars of all time. It was about your A's and 2002. And we celebrated that. And I was fortunate to do the season ticket holder Q&A and then after do a bunch of interviews with guys. We're not going to play them all, but there's some we want to get into because one guy I've been trying to get forever is David Justice. David Justice spent his entire professional career in the postseason and in the World Series. It's amazing. He He truly had one of the blessed careers in the history of baseball a two-time World Series champion. But whether he was a Brave, a Yankee, an Indian, an A, he was always in the postseason. It's unreal. And Justice came here and immediately became the leader. You know, what are the A's going to do? Jason Giambi's gone. Well, Miguel Tejada became the best player in the American League, and Dave Justice became your leader. Didn't miss a beat. Won 103 games. And a lot of people forget, earlier in that season, they went through a stretch because back in there, back in those times, there was something about the A's getting out to a slow start. The A's in 02 got out to a decent start and then whoo, fell off the cliff, and they were terrible. But then later on, they would have a run. Before the 20-game win streak, I think it was in June, they went 16-1. and So you're starting to see with this pitching that they can feed off of each other and they can roll off. 15 out of 16, and then later on, 20 in a row, they had that kind of firepower and they had that kind of pitching. So we'll get into Dave Justice. Once again, I've already lost track. What time are we having? Uh, Franny Fran- says to come on at 1.30, so about 13 minutes from now. So we're going to want 12 minutes now. So we'll probably want to do that at what? One, I, I want to do I want to do Justice and I want to do Art Howe because neither guy we get to hear a lot from. And I'm going to tell you, How magical this event was for Art. This was finally Art Howe getting his due as a great manager for the A's. It's very emotional. He chokes up during our interview. Art Howe and I are on the field, and I'm interviewing him. He chokes up. It was emotional for me. In 02, I was doing the morning show on KMBR. I wasn't in this role, but I covered it. A lot of nights I had to go to bed early, obviously, when you're doing a morning show and you need to come on that early. But I know what a special man Art Howe is. And Art, Art, Art and I have, have done interviews, but it's always been over phone. So Art's, Art had no – he knew my name but doesn't know who I – and then, you know, two and two, oh, yeah, you're the guy. And we're doing this interview, and he starts choking up, and I'm like, wow, I got emotional. So I got to play that for you and David Justice. 
But one thing that I do want to talk about today that is not A's related is what's going to happen next year, what happened last night, kind of gives you an idea of why what's going to happen next year needs to happen. And I'll go over the whole draft thing about um, I got it in the notes today. If you don't know, last place in baseball, you don't get the first pick in the draft anymore. It's a draft lottery. So the Nats, the A's, and the Pirates will all have 16.5% chance at the first pick. Uh, Tigers will be 13.25%. Uh, Reds will have 10%. Royals will have 7.5%. So uh, tank for the first pick doesn't guarantee anything anymore. Hopefully, 16.5%, the A's will get the first pick. Love to have the first pick. That'd be great. But there's no guarantee in that. So these are the two worst teams going after it. Not a whole lot to sell here. We'll do that in A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron coming up. But when you put the best players against each other, magic happens. Does it always? No. Because when the Angels went to Yankee Stadium earlier this year, that was in their run of losing, was it 14 straight in the end? How many did they end? I think it was 14 was their final in the losing streak. That was part of New York. So when you had, oh, Trout, Otani, they're going to New York, they both didn't do anything. But this is what's good about our sport when you have the top players play each other. When you had those games, even in the regular season, when it was Tom Brady against Peyton Manning, it's Steph Curry, LeBron James. Is it when you have those matchups, it's better for the sport. And that is exactly what we got last night in Anaheim. Now, they would normally play anyway. They're two American League teams. But let's just say Aaron Judge plays for the Mets. Shohei Otani plays for the Angels. And that could be a possibility, by the way. You know, I know there's a lot of people here at NBC Bay Area in these studios here where I'm at, who are there, let me tell you, there's a bunch of giant honks in here. It's unbelievable. And I let them all know, hey, didn't the Giants win 107 games last year? Isn't this maybe the largest collapse in the history of baseball? And they just look at me like, ah, it's the A's guy again. Oh, I'm not letting them forget. Mark my words, A's fans. I am not letting them forget that they won 107 games last year, and right now they're, what, 61 and 64? You, Larry Bear may own the San Francisco Bay Area media, but he doesn't own us, and we're going to keep reminding you this is literally the worst drop-off from year to year in the history of baseball. Right now it's 46 wins off. <laughs> That's a lot. It's what? There, if you add do the math, one hundred seven minus sixty one, that's forty six wins. So, I'm trying to think. I, I, there's only forty six games left. Marlins so won the World Series ninety seven as a wild card team, and then Wayne Huizenga sold everybody off. I have no idea how many. I'm not up on my nineteen ninety eight Marlins. The ninety eight Marlins went fifty four and one hundred eight. The year prior, when they won the World Series, they were ninety two and seventy two. See, ninety two and seven. That's not as much. They won one hundred and seven. Pretty big drop off. Yeah, ninety-two minus what was it? Fifty-four. Yeah, you're still looking at 
Let me do my quick. I have the calculator open, so 92 minus 52. 38 wins. 38 win difference? Yeah. They lost 38 wins from the year prior. So 46 is still higher. Well, if the Giants don't make 80 wins. I don't think they're going to get there. I mean, there's how many games left? 30, a little over a couple. The way I mean, 33, so they're probably. I mean, my San Jose State mass says that's 27 wins, right? If they get to 80, it's a 27-win difference. Uh, 27 wins would get them to yeah, – that'd be – 107, that'd be 88. 88. That'd be 88 wins if they get to 27 more wins. You're saying if they got 27 more I'm wins right the now. Difference, it's like if they won 80 games, they won 107. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, be 27. It's a 27-game yeah. difference. Well, if they don't get to that, we're now looking in the 30s. Yeah. Uh, That's a huge – and they're not tanking. Giants aren't tanking. By the way, the lights, I for everybody, the lights went out at the Giants game. A's, Coliseum, Dave Renetti took a lot of heat. Mike Fires would then go on to throw a no-hitter. It was an amazing night. Not a lot of you were there. I know because I was there, and I know how many people were there. But – the see it happens to you too. Have your moment on Twitter. Go ahead, be a troll. I'm a troll all the time. Not on Twitter. I'm a troll on this show. But <laughs> we have no leg to stand on. Light Tower goes out on a beautiful stadium. The Light Tower will pop back on. It's still a beautiful stadium. Our Light Tower pops on. We still have a ballpark built in 1966. I hear you, though. You want to crush him? Go ahead. I'm not telling you not to. I just, it doesn't make us look any better. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, and no, they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to go, ah, see, it can happen in San Francisco. They're not. They're not. The San Francisco media is not going to crush the Giants. They're not going to crush Oracle Park. They're not going to do it. Don't expect them to do it. And, and, Kind of why I'm saying this is they'll find a way to still make us look bad. Oh, here they are popping off about the lights. Eh, they're still going to find a way to make us look bad. Just that's the way it is. But I can still highlight, and especially when I'm sitting in a studio that technically is owned by 32% of the Giants or whatever their percentage of owning NBC here in the Bay Area, I can still say, you hacks are having a horrible year. It's a historic bad year, and I can keep reminding you. But back to my point. Pretty cool to see Shohei Otani. Pretty cool to see Aaron Judge. It's great for the game. It's a Monday night in Anaheim. Who should really care? Nobody. Everything going on in life, nobody cares. But last night, there was juice. Sizzle on the steak. I mean, let's face it. Everybody in sports was talking about it. Everybody, I mean, they were jam-packed. They had 44-plus thousand people there. The game was covered on – I was watching. It was a showcase game on MLB yeah, Network. Yeah, I was watching on MLB Network. Frankie Montas is a New York Yankee. I mean, that's not good. Uh, Frankie is 0-2 with a 7-0-1 ERA and five stars. Already – with Ken Waldachuk going to be called up with the September call-ups, Ken Waldachuk out of St. Mary's, part of the trade, already what we've seen with J.P. Sears. The A's have won this trade. 
Like, already. Once again, we should give Frankie a long-term contract. You want to give Frankie a long-term contract? I mean, Frankie at times, but Frankie hasn't been the dominant guy since he got popped for PEDs. Yeah, I said it. He's not ours anymore. I can totally say it now. Frankie hasn't been that same dominant guy since he tested positive. And now you got two young left-handed pitchers. J.P. Sears is a keeper, right or wrong? Correct. Keeper. Keeper. Waldachuk comes in. If he's a keeper, oh, my God, this trade's a no-brainer. And what's the other kid, Medina? Medina, he throws 100. If he works out, this is a no-brainer. And then don't forget the middle infielder. It's 20. This is 100. This is – I totally forgot about that guy. <laughs> Who's that? That's that Co- guy's Cooper name? Bowman, I think his name was. Is that his name? Let me make sure I – Not expecting anything, but if it works out, whatever. Think about that. This is already better than the Sonny Gray trade. Way better. J.P. Sears. I, I mean, J.P. Sears. I mean, J.P. Sears could be passing Caprillion already in the rotation. Dustin Fowler. Who? Mateo is now doing stuff for the Orioles. But I mean, seriously. Trades with the Yankees, this one already. J.P. Sears, and now we'll see what if Waldachuk. What I've seen with Waldachuk, the way. He, Turning for the camera, way he hides the ball back here where you see my hand. I mean, he hides the baseball. If he comes and starts giving the A's good innings with Sears, won that trade. Here, you want Frankie and Lou? Go right ahead. Take that trade already. Now, we got a long way to go, but I take that trade already. But last night, was some really cool stuff. And good for Bay. Is Franny going to be joining us? He's not there. You can see, you'll see him pop up when he comes. I mean, let's face it. It's good for the game. It really is. And when you can have stars like that, no doubt about it. And it, and the debate when, when it, the, the whole thing now, when you have these people like, well, we should have an MVP, but then we should just have a most outstanding. It's like, Dude, I've asked you the question. Don't give me another award because you don't want to have an opinion. I want opinions. We're an opinion-based show. When I ask you who you think should be the MVP, don't create another award so you don't have to give an opinion. And But the fact that they're playing against each other and it gets people talking about it, it's a win for baseball. However you feel on Otanio Judge, it puts baseball – in the conversation right now where a lot of people just want to talk about training camp in the NFL. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest coming to us from our nation's capital. He is a kid from the South Bay, Bellarmine Prep, one of the great San Jose State baseball players of all time. He's not number one, but he's one of them. Former big leaguer and now with the Washington Nationals doing television, Kevin Franz and the great Franny is with us. Franny, how are you? Tony, how you been? It has been a while. I know. Well, last time I saw you, you had like this makeshift studio. Now you have a green screen and everything. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're now at it. We're at NBC. I'm doing the TV today and the radio. I'm double. I'm double dipping, double paychecks today. So they they set us up. They set us in this room that uh, here up here in San Francisco. It is fantastic. How is the first year back with the Nats 
Of course, you played there, but how's the first year doing TV? Uh, well, it's been fun, I guess. Isn't that, that's the classic line you're supposed to say, I think. Um, I don't like losing. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm very much on board with the, uh, the fact that, you know, we haven't played well in the field. Now, a couple things go into uh, the other part of it, which has been awesome, which is this coaching staff has been ridiculous uh, for myself. You know, getting acclimated to, to everything here, uh, pretty much being just open book on everything. Um, the players have been awesome. There's been a lot of, you know, up and downs with a lot of guys. And then yeah, obviously a little trade that kind of shook the world. But, um, yeah, it's been good. I mean, Bob Carpenter is as pro as a – as you come with a uh, longtime broadcaster and then uh, Dan Coco, who's been filling in of recent, um, it's been, uh, it's been fun. It's been, it's been different because of, you know, you're the new guy on the block, but uh, we've had a blast in even in a losing season and uh, we're trying to make the most of it. Yeah. Carpenter's got a scorebook, right? And for years, I had this company that made my scorebook. It was fancy with the A's logo. They're down in Morgan Hill, and I was paying, like, after shipping, it was like 115 And And one day I'm like, I can get Carpenter's book that's got everything I need for 30 bucks, and it's going to be here in a yeah. week. Bang. So tell your boy I, I support him every single oh, I year. He's getting, I will. He's getting a little San Jose State money from me. Uh, before we get into this game, <laughs> Uh, we're climbing a mountain. Spartans start on Thursday, so you better stay yeah. up late. No, no, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting year. Uh, I, I always wonder what that year after a, uh, whatever year is going to be like, you know? This is it. This is it. Coach Brennan for uh, Coach of the Year already. Let's do this. Yeah, it's always one of those kind of like an A season. It's like you can have a good season. Oh, my God, what's going to happen next year? And then you can have another good season. You're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? We just have to enjoy the ride as we have it. Uh, Just take us through the whole Juan Soto doesn't want to sign. You're going to offer Juan Soto another deal. I mean, it's just, just on and on and on. You had the trades last year. You weren't there. You were in Philly. But the trades last year with Turner and Scherzer going to L.A., Obviously, breaking up the championship club, which is always tough to do. But Juan Soto's a different deal. He's young. He can be a national forever, but he keeps turning down crazy money. And then the big trade with Belt to San Diego, and the Nats got a huge haul. Take us through it. What, what was the experience like? Uh, not fun, I guess you could say, because, I mean, Juan's, Juan's different. Like, when you think about um, – overall hitters in the game he's the top right um i call him the black and white because that's all he's compared to is black and white photos it's like babe ruth and mickey mantle and you know stan musual and you're, you're you're looking at these names going seriously and to know and understand who he is as a person first off i mean that that kid's crazy good but then he's a crazy good person and, you know, willing to do any interview and every interview. Um, he's so, so dialed in with his English now that he doesn't – he just shoes off the interpreter saying, like, no, I got this. Um, the ability to have that confidence. I wonder if – I always wonder if that translates to stuff on the field, right? Like, guys yeah. that are so confident um, being able to, uh, you know, speak the language, the native language and, and hear it in English. And um, I, I just feel like it just it just makes him, like, the superman. Um uh, 
I can understand both sides. Number one, the Nationals, I don't care what anyone says about AABs or not, they offered him one hell of a contract. <laughs> right? So I don't I, I don't want to hear people going like, AAV, you can't do this. Hey, they did it. They did it right. And that's not me. I, I don't technically work for the team. So I can tell you on the other end if I didn't agree with it. Um, and then I agree with Juan. If he doesn't feel like that's good enough for him, then so be it. I mean, it is a giant gamble, you know. And, and so for the uh, Boris Court and uh, what they've decided with him is that they're going to continue to go forward and, and see how it goes. Look, the whole process sucked because the fact of the matter is um, you're losing a generational player. But the questions you always have to ask are, where are you going to win with him? And that age-old question of, like, the star or the team, and it's not like the star is a bad dude, right? Like, you're, you're trading it. i got to get rid of this guy. Um what they got in return, we're, we're still going to find out, right? In like, what, three, four years, you'll find out completely what you got out of that trade. You're never going to have the um, – in the moment, everyone's going to say, like, what a haul. And you don't know. Not until those other guys start coming up. But the, the Hassels and the Wood and uh, the Susanna kid, who is unbelievable. We got Mackenzie Gore um, and C.J. Abrams and Luke Voigt. I mean, that's a big haul. But you're losing – you're – in, in the grand scheme of things, that if I talk about Juan, I, I miss out on talking about Josh and how like he's been – I know he hasn't played well at all with San Diego. He was our team MVP here. And, again, you lost another unbelievable human, and that's a hard one to, uh, to trade off, right? You, you don't want to trade off clubhouse guys, guys that are willing to take other people under their wings and, and lead and, and right the ship. So, um, look – if anyone at, at any point wants to question, you know, or not question, I wouldn't say, wants to play um, uh, Mike Rizzo in any poker, <laughs> good luck, have fun, because you're going to call his bluff, and I, I, I'm sorry. I think he called everyone else's when he did it. You know, it's just what do you do as an organization when you say here's 400-something million, and now here's four. I mean, you're, you're getting to the half a bill mark. And somebody's it's still it's, it's still not enough. And it's like, man, you're one guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know you got some pop. You're an okay outfielder. I mean, he's not the greatest it, outfielder in the I, world. I, I'm gonna say it. I, I will say it. it. You're you're getting the hitter. I'm getting a guy that when you say he's a black and white guy, he walks a lot. Great. But I mean, when he started, when I started seeing these Ted Williams comparisons, I just went, "Well, I'll just go to Baseball Reference." And Ted Williams, at 23 years old, is hitting 370. He's right. hitting 270. So basically, what you're telling me is he walks a lot and he's got some pop. So I can see OPS and stuff like this. But in the end, I mean, I'm. This was my problem with him is my return on investment. I don't know him. I've never interviewed him. You got to know him. You say he's a great kid. I just, other than just him as a baseball player, I don't know how I'm selling him. I don't know. I mean, he's a guy that walks down. We're in San Francisco right now. He walks down the street. No one's got a clue who he is, right? He's not LeBron James. He's not He's not Tom Brady. they would. (laughs) Well, if he's in your market, but if he's not in your market – I guarantee you when he first walked down the streets of San Diego and people eating fish tacos and flip-flops, they got no idea who he is. But 
That's what I'm saying. I mean, four hundred million and a guy's turning down. What are you going to do? You you can't you can't you can't do anything other than you know you gave your best shot at it. And I think at the end of the day, they did the right. They chose organization over yeah. you know going down to a, a, an agent's level of uh, of fighting for his his player. I believe you know. I mean, because everyone's gonna. Uh, again, everyone's gonna fault Scott Boris in the situation. It's like I, 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 is what he's supposed to do is is work and get the most he can for his player, right? And and lead him to success too. So, uh, I I thought overall, it it just sucks that it, it actually had to happen. But everyone did it right when it comes down to it at the end. If Juan had that opinion that he wants to do say, you know, stay out there and 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 look for more, that's it. That's his opinion. But the the Nats in general, they gave. Uh, just an insane offer that he didn't take. Now that you've been in the broadcasting business for a while and gotten away from time being a player, because obviously when you're a player, you have the views that you have as a guy in uniform. Once you start working for teams, being around teams, you may change, you may not. Where are you now when looking at the game of baseball it can be finances, how teams are run, how it's changed from Franny the player to Franny now the broadcaster. Uh, I'd say it's virtually the same. I mean, I, I, I still gravitate towards those that work their butts off. You know what I mean? Like it, it, in general, when you're talking to guys, it, it, it tends to be more towards the guys that you, you see respecting what they have. Um, so that that's there. Uh, the analytic world, I get it. I understand it. Um, doesn't mean I believe everything that it is. Guess what? All it is is info. That's all it is. It's just what you want to take and what you don't. That's it. That's it. So I, I think I've, I've changed on that. That end. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and, and blast uh, people that are given these jobs that are, are trying to, you know, better the team, better the franchise. Now I think some of the, the spendings and building teams, I think all over baseball, I don't, I don't agree with, you know, because it, it's, it, it, it's hard. It, it, it's hard to watch sometimes. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like I've morphed a little bit when it comes to that stuff. But I like—I just like—I like great baseball, no matter what. At the end of the day, we want to watch. What makes our job easier, even if you lose, is the last like three weeks for us. We've played our butts off. These guys, like they might have given away one game, right? Where they just didn't have it. Where at the beginning part of the year, it seemed five times a week it was happening. And it was just bad baseball, bad base running, bad, you know, mental mistakes all over the place that the, the coaches are hounding on them. Like, we got to correct this. We got to continue. And now you're starting to see when things start to click, whether it's a win or loss, the crispness of the game matters, right? Like to us. And that's, I feel like, where everything I, I rested on a, a win and loss as a player, obviously. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I lose sleep overnight, you know, uh, you know, over a loss. Uh, so that that is a huge change. I got a lot more sleep. I feel like. <laughs> well, I what what you're saying is so true, and it's what I try and say with the callers after the game. It's like if you're still calling up here in late August and complain about wins and losses, like right. I, I get it in June, I get it in July. Now it's about trying to truly find guys 
that can help you now and, more importantly, right. help you get to where you want to get in the future. Sitting here hanging on every win and every loss in a sport that's played every day in late August heading into September does nobody any good. Right. And, I mean, I can, I can bump it off you on this one. Is like the fact of the matter is, like, aren't we, we're here about the stories. You want to talk about guys that have gotten better. You don't want to talk about the guys that have regressed. You know, like at the end of the day, we don't want to talk. We don't want to bash anybody. But if it's there, it's there. I get it. It's on. It's it's right there. It's low hanging fruit. But I don't know. Just watching the development, like Kevin Ruiz, right, our catcher, doesn't have a cannon. He reminds me so much of Benji behind the plate. Works his butt off. Smart, understanding of of the situations. Um, really, really taking ownage with that with that staff. And watching his growth from the beginning part of the year to the end, that has been awesome. And I tell that to him all the time because he's so willing and able to do so many things. Henry Blanco and him have, have, have uh, spent so much time together. Um, but that's the fun stuff to talk about, right? And it's not going out of the – I feel like there's so many people that homer this game that you can't talk about the bad. Like, and I think it's BS. Like, you got to talk about the bad. Yeah. They, we're so desensitized here. It's like, oh, you, you were talking bad about it. I was like, no, I wasn't talking about it. I'm like, this is mental mistakes. You can't have this. And uh, with Kamer, with guys like that, with guys like uh, Luis Garcia, who's had some severe growing pains when he was playing shortstop, um, you know, there's there's a lot a lot to be asked there. But when it comes down to it, our bullpen, the back end of the bullpen, you're seeing the building of something back there. You're going, yeah, that's fun to talk about, right? Now I still go off on the post game show because you got to have the roller coaster ride. You just you can't be sure, all you good. Gotta, you got to do it. You gotta yeah, do it. you can't you be do it. all good, can't be all bad, but you you got to <laughs> take people on the ride. And what's interesting is that we used to say, "All right, we stink, you stink." Well, let's see who stinks the most so we can get the first round pick. And that's not the case anymore. I was just reading it off how it, you know it's the Nats, the A's, and I think it was the Pirates. All have 16.5%. Then it goes down to, like, the Royals at 13.25. Then a couple teams at 7. So, the, the, the you know, back in back where we live, remember Suck for Lux, for Andrew Luck? That, that doesn't, that doesn't oh, yeah. exist anymore. No, and the other thing, too, is uh, Strasburg and Harp would probably be the last two guaranteeds, number ones, right? Like, where they never changed, ever. Um and you knew they were going to hit. You knew they were going to be great. We don't have that. So it's like you want to suck all you want. Like, it's a crapshoot in baseball anyways. And those two generational-type players came around once, let alone two years in a row, to have the number one pick to get them both. You're not having that. So if you want to fight and, and go for that one pick, that's all, that's all you want to do. That's fine. But at the end of the day, still got to learn how to win, right? We're going to talk about wins and losses and uh, – if they're playing better, there's a better opportunity for them to win. And guess what? If they're the two or three pick, great. You know, is it going to change the franchise in one year? No, there's no Strauss. If there is a Strauss, if there is a Harper, I mean, I would be on here selling you, I am losing and I don't care. <laughs> you know, but that's not the case. That's not the case. Strasburg, I, I get the whole thing. You win the World Series. He was a beast. He gets the contract. But at what point is everybody like, oh, my God. I mean, this is 
245 million or something around around in that range. I mean, that's that's that that, that that's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's been uh, you know, especially for the franchise looking for um, you know, quality leadership out of that uh, starting staff. Um, with Scherzer gone, I think it, they were lo- hoping that, that Steven would be able to be uh, ready to go. Um, and unfortunately, that, that thoracic outlet uh, surgery is, is no joke. You know, it started for me like with, uh, with Noah Lowry, you know, and it ripped him up completely. And he was, having, he was on the upswing of a pretty damn good career, right? And, and that was the first time I had heard about that, that surgery. And then it's not like Tommy John. Take out a rim, do all this stuff. It's got a board. There's a lot of stuff that goes on with this whole thing. And for for Steven, I feel for him. I mean, at the end of the day, you you earn that money, right? You earn that right to sign that contract. And you're a competitor. You want to pitch. And I, I, that's where I feel for him because he wants to pitch. Yeah, it gets scary, you know, when you can't feel your fingertips. And as you mentioned, you can, you can go get a lim- ligament and do the Tommy John. You can do it multiple times. But now you start talking about losing feeling and stuff like that. It is uh, really scary. Ex- explain to our audience, you know, if, if, if you weren't a kid and you weren't able to do the, the D.C. trip, and you've never been to Washington, D.C. It's such an international city because people are coming from all over the world. It, it, it's about government. It's, a, it's, it's one of the great places, if you've never been, that you can go for a vacation. And a lot of the things that you can do are free. All the Smithsonian's, all the museums are free. It's, it's, it's a, you can get a tour of the White House. Contact your local congressperson. They'll get you into the tour to the Capitol building. All free. I mean, this stuff's all free. All free. It's amazing. Just talk about what's like to live in our nation's capital, to broadcast. Just, just what that's like for a lot of people who've never been. If I could put it into uh, last night at like seven thirty, uh, the fam they were here in town, and we went and and saw Lincoln Memorial and and the Washington Monument at at sunset, and it is one of the craziest things. I mean, we, Amanda and I, my wife, we, we stood there just like going, seriously? Like, through the reflection pool, you're looking at this whole thing, you're like, what? Like, what is, what? Everywhere you go, like, I, I've described this to people. At night, after, after some of these losses at the beginning part of the year, you're, you're kind of, like, frustrated. You're just, like, going back. And then, boom, Washington Monument hits. It's all lit up, and you're like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no, because it is it is one of the most fascinating, uh, like just areas everywhere you go. Uh, the architecture around here, uh, you know, I, I take the politics out of the whole thing because it always sucks, anyways. So, you look at the architecture around here, you look at the people, you look at the vibe that has been created by. I think a lot of this, especially around that Nats Park, around the Nationals, uh, it's special. It is a special place. And I think it gets a lot of, uh, I think people are so like, just think politics, politics, politics with it. There's so much more about this place. The food's incredible. Um, you got so many different pockets that you can go to around here that whatever you want, you, you, you could have uh, suburban life. You could have, you know, city life. You could have white house life. If you really want, you know, you go down that area. Um, everyone is, is everyone is you is the best way I can describe it because you don't know 
where everyone's from. And most of the time it's from where you are, <laughs> you know? So there's a ton of Bay area people out here that we've seen, uh, you know, you can go be, you know, living in Philly for the last few years, you go around, there's people Philly here and it, it's a special place. And it, it's been fun to be a part of it. Uh, not only as a player, but now as a broadcaster and, and being able to uh, show that life. How much do you miss home? San Jose. Uh, yeah, all the time. I mean, it's home. You know, it's uh, this year was a hard year in general, just, uh, you know, losing my dad. So I, when you say that, I always go, yep, it's like crazy. So uh, home's always going to be home, right? And that's where, where I always say home is. Uh, I have a home base now in, in, in Jersey and, and here in D.C. So, um, yeah, I say I say a lot. Man, I can't just imagine you in that orange cha- that orange tan on the Jersey Shore in a tank top and a chain on. I just don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, dude, that's totally me. No, Are you? Do you have Jersey. you gotten a Camaro that's yet? While you're, have you been there? You got no, a Camaro no, no. See, or a... like everyone? North Jersey's very Southern California, like friend. You know what I mean? You being the SoCal guy. You know, um, I've been to Jersey a lot. I never got the sense I was in Southern California. South, 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 South Jersey. South Jersey is a uh, very uh, Bay Area like. That's the way I like to describe it. Well, if you keep telling yourself that, then uh, good Thank luck. You. And Thank by, you. I will. And by I the will. by the way, when we have that rain delay today, I'm going to think the exact same thing. This is like Southern California. <laughs> you know what's crazy is that like <laughs> Amanda and I were always thinking we're like. Is, is one of our kids, are they going to have like a Jersey accent or something? And Tenley <laughs> last night at, at, at dinner was like, can you pass the wooter? And we're like, wait, what? Did you just drop a wooter? You dropped a wooter on us? She's like, yeah, wooter. Isn't that what it is? We're like, water? She's oh, like, yes, God. water. Oh, God, we're there. We're there. She's going to have the Jersey accent. She's going to have a subscription to a tanning salon. It's like going to be great. It's going to no. be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Easy on that. (laughs) All right, buddy. We miss you. We'll be thinking about you. We're all getting together on Thursday night because we got this day game um, for a little Spartan football. So we'll miss you on Thursday. All right, my friend. Be well. We're we're proud of you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. The great Kevin Franzen from D.C. Franny is one of my all-time favorites. Franny played years before I did. But uh, my best friend was his coach, so I've gotten to know Franny uh, over the years. A very proud San Jose State Spartan, a Bellarmine Bell, which I still don't understand why. I I played with a lot of Bellarmine guys. For some reason, obviously at San Jose, so a lot of them, they have a great team. They A lot of them end up at San Jose State. Never, I've never even got some of my closest friends are guys who went to Bellarmine. I rag them about it. I still have no idea why they have a bell. It's an old school. It's been around forever. I still have no idea why a bell is there. A bell is your mascot. It's a good question. I used to live right by there. Um, then I moved on the other side of San Jose. I would say we could have had uh, – Mark Canna's going to be back here in a few weeks. We should ask him when he's it's here. It's Canna, not Canna, for God's <laughs> sakes. <laughs> he would know. I don't. He's the only guy I really know that went to Bellarmine. All my friends went to – Public high school. The great Billy Owens with the Oakland Athletics went to Bellarmine Prep. There's a there's a couple other people. You know Mark Podesta, one of my dear friends, oh, yeah. who's well, a Eric, legend. 
in he the moved, car business. He moved though. He bought a dealership in Southern California. Oh, you mean you mean Jersey? That's yeah. Franny said. <laughs> Fr- Franny's trying to sell Jersey. I've been to Jersey. Yeah, me too. I sent vacations there. I've been all over Jersey. Got stuck in Jersey a few times with the Raiders. Uh, yeah, I, I I never have been in New Jersey and thought that I was in. Forget Southern California. Any part of California. Yeah, Wildwood, New Jersey, I've been there for vacation. I When I go there, I think of Half Moon Bay. But I, I can compare and contrast them. Monterey? I mean, when I'm in Jersey, I'm like, this is like Pebble Beach. Yeah, Ocean City, New this Jersey. This is Pebble. Uh, what's, where's, where's Jersey Shore at? Or is the film? That, it was on the Jersey Shore, but like, I'm trying to remember what beach. Yeah, when I think of I think of Huntington Beach done in, or Manhattan Beach done in L.A. Couldn't. Orange County. I had people years ago go, hey, there's a job opening, there's this, there's that. MLB Network. No. No. I don't know if they'd have me. I don't know if they'd have any interest in me. I just, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me. Yeah, I, there's not, I'm at a point in my life, I'm not making decisions solely on money. I, I wouldn't want to live there. I could not even imagine living in New Jersey. I can't even, like, when you're there, you you have fun with it, and you listen to the people, and you're just like, if I had to live with that, and it's snowing, and it's cold, and the sleet's coming down, then in the summer it's so hot. No. Folks, we are going to have a rain delay today. I know we haven't mentioned that. Um, it's raining. Shocker, it's the East Coast, it rains. It is going to rain, and it's going to be nasty. Vince Catronio sent it to me. Rain forecast, 4 p.m. So his phone. 4 p.m. Eastern? So, be, yeah, it would have been yeah, his phone Eastern, right? Yeah, that would have been 1 o'clock for us, right when we started the so show. So when's first pitch, 7 o'clock? 7.05, so 3, uh, okay, 4 or 5 so here. 6 o'clock Eastern, their time. It's 100% chance rain. I've been to a game that... What, what, what does 100% chance mean? There's 100% chance it's going to rain. It means it's going to rain. Yeah. I've been to a game that once. Guess what happened? It rained. It was the All-Star game. So, first pitch at 7 o'clock. You know what we're looking at? Rain. 80% rain. What are we doing here? Uh, can you imagine living like it rains every day? And it's one thing if you're in the southeast where it rains and it's warm and it's ra- it's raining to cool off the atmosphere. But when it's raining, hot, cold, it's just their weather sucks. I was I was walking. Um, what the hell do they call it? The the water that's in between the World War Two and um, it's not the Grove. What the, what's it called? Isn't the uh... Oh, look it up. So you're walking by the the water on the way to the the Lincoln Memorial. Is that the reflection? Uh, no, it's it's called the uh, the reflection, the reflecting pool. They were talking about right yeah, there. Yeah, but there's a name that they call from the World War II down. They have a name for it. God, I should know this. But anyway. I'm walking down towards the Lincoln Memorial, which you got to see. It's a it, it, Abe sitting in that chair is massive. It's massive. TV. Whenever you're like watching a uh, Washington Commanders game uh, or whatever they're doing, like on this, they're gonna show it, and like you see it on TV and go, "Oh, that's cool." But when you walk up to it, Abe is unreal. 
how big he is. And I'm walking in the clouds, and I'm luckily I, I had rain gear because I was there with the Raiders taking on the Ravens, and I'd come down the train to, to go around D.C. So I had the rain gear, and I'm walking, and by the time I got to Abe Lincoln, it was like a biblical storm. It's the kind of storm that would shut down the Bay Area. It's the kind of storm that would <laughs> fill up our reservoirs, right? We're dying for this type of storm. And it rained, and it didn't stop. And it rained, and it rained, and it, it ended up being a benefit because all the lines of the, the Smithsonian's went away, and I could just go in and see whatever I wanted. It was it, – it, it's just like – and there's thunder and there's lightning and it's just that their weather is different. I lived it 23 years of my life. Different. There's a reason why it costs so much to live where we live. All right, coming up next. So we got the Bipster at 2.30. Coming up next, we're going to have David Justice for you. A man who was a big part of the O2 team. Great baseball career. We've been trying to get him for a long. He's now buddies with Cody. He's now like we're like we're telling him we've been trying to get a hold of you. He's like I'm easy at all. Here, take my cell phone. I'll come on anytime. We went from never being able to get Dave Justice to here's my cell phone whenever you want me. Yeah, that's what happens. It's like me and Tony. Move over, Tony. I got David Justice now. David Justice next, right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. If you talk about a career and you look at winning, we like to talk so much about not winning and give you data about how it's not players' faults whether teams win or lose. Well, then whose is it? Whatever. Some people have a blessed career. You're seeing it right now. Is the captain over? I'm on episode three. Yeah, it ended a couple weeks ago. There's seven total episodes. All right. So the captain, blessed career. Derek Jeter played his entire career in the postseason. Another guy who did that is our next guest. Two-time World Series champion. I don't have it in front of me. What was he, a three-time All-Star or something like that? I think it was. I was looking at it. Rookie of the year. I should remember because I was looking at it. I know he's Rookie of the Year. He is a Rookie of the Year, two-time World Series champion, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, and the ALCS MVP. And really the veteran leader of the 2002 Oakland Athletics, who we celebrated on Sunday. He knew this was going to be his last year, but he also knew, wait a minute, I had Maddox... Smoltz, Glavin, Hall of Fame pitchers. We're in the playoffs every year. Obviously, the great pitching. You don't think he's very good in David Cohn, or uh, uh, you're, you, you're not real big on Roger Clemens or Andy Pettit, but he had some good pitching in New York when he won the World Series. But all of a sudden, he's looking around going, wait a minute. But he saw the big three in Atlanta, 
and then saw it with the big three with Hudson Mulder and Zito and went, hey, this team's got a shot. These guys are good. We've waited, and we finally got them. Here is Dave Justice. When you showed up here, I'll never forget. You were a star coming in. Uh, you'd been in so many big games, a World Series champion. You mentioned it earlier in this event. When you came here, you realized, wow, this is a good young team that's got a chance. Yeah, I told you. I mean, when I was in spring training, and I'm looking around, because I, I knew this was probably going to be my last year. And I see the young pitching staff we had. I see the young T. Long and I. He's an outfielder, so we spent a lot of time together as outfielders. And I'm just looking around. I'm like, man, these guys remind me of the young Braves. They really do. So as we're playing throughout the season, I always was trying to instill that in them, that that mentality of greatness. So when we broke that, when we when we broke the record. That's when I knew I had to tell these guys how special they were because I really wanted them to really understand that because I played for the Braves, the Yankees, Cleveland, great teams, two World Series, never any of those teams won 20 games. So, guys, what we just accomplished was special. What you guys accomplished is special. That's how I want you to see yourselves. Because we're, we're, we're trying to win a World Series here. That's the goal. And so I was wanting them to really see them, wanted our guys to really understand what they had accomplished. And it was just great to be a part of this team. As my, my role, I loved my role. Like, like I, I always bring a money ball. They made it seem like they had to coerce me into being a leader of the team. And I, you can ask any of these guys. I took over the leadership role day one. I've been trying to lead my team since my second year in the big leagues. Why would I wait till my last year to try to lead a team? So uh, these guys were great. They're a great bunch of young guys. I really enjoyed that year. And I love the Bay Area too, man. I mean, this, this is a great part of the country. So, and then I, and I don't know if you heard me earlier, I said, you know, our youngest son, the one who's playing football at UCLA right now, he was born that last year. So that was a special year for the Justice family. Yeah, I remember talking to Stephen Bishop, the guy who played you, and it was great. He was such a good guy. But, you know, I think about what you had to offer was, uh, I mean, you came up so early with the Braves. What, you were like 19 years old? How old were you? You were 23? Well, I just remember when you came up, I mean, you came up in the – you were in the playoffs every – it's like every year of your career you are in the playoffs. Every year of my career I was in the playoffs except my rookie year. 1990, every year. I know it's about seven World Series teams. So, I mean, basically half of my career was spent in the in the World Series. So you, I agree with you. It was a blessed career. But also, man, all the great guys I played with. I'm not only just great baseball players, just great dudes. And when I retired, somebody told me I, I retired. You, you could check this as the fifth winningest player percentage-wise in the game. I mean, think about it. Every wow. team I played for went to the playoffs. So I'm part of those teams that won. So it was a great career. I won a lot in my career. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better career. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better one. You know, when you think about the greatness that was the Atlanta Braves, and you mentioned, I mean, a lot of people forget how good those Indians teams were. Jacobs Field used to be rocking. And, of course, the New York Yankees. What was so unique and special about Oakland? Well, what I liked about Oakland was, one, the, their fans were very passionate about their team. You could tell that these fans love the Oakland A's. So I, I, I love playing for teams and in stadiums where the fans are really, really, really show their love for the, for their team. And that's what I felt here. 
Um, and again, another. This is just going to be very silly, but wearing that green and gold because it reminded me of high school. Because you know, I, you know, high school was great for me, and these were our colors. So putting them back on reminded me so much of high school. But none of that would matter if I didn't have these great guys I played with. You know, Art Howe was a great manager to play for. Our coaching staff was cool. That Bosley. Bosley, who's not here, I mean, he was great as our hidden coach, great guy to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, and Billy Bean was great. I mean, Billy, Billy and I had a great relationship. We talked a lot that year about the team and 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 my thoughts. He would ask me my thoughts on the team, and and that was special as well because I mean, he trusted me as a as a as not only as a player but a guy he felt like knew the game and knew how to improve the team. You know, it's a very emotional time. I was just talking with Art Howe, and he got choked up when I asked him about. You know, coming back to Oakland, because as you mentioned, the way he was portrayed, where guys were portrayed in the movie, it obviously stung. There's great love for Art Howe here and this team. I mean, it's very emotional. Well, yeah, Art, look, man, you know, Art was a great manager, man. I love coming to the yard every day and seeing Art. He was always even killed, supportive. So, you know, when you see guys misportrayed, uh, you know, it just makes you it makes you upset and makes you a little mad because he don't he didn't deserve the way he was portrayed. He did not deserve it. So um, but again, that 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 it is what it is. and It is what it was. But that's why if I get an opportunity, I'm going to let people know when I can that that's not the art how that led these young guys and led these veterans and led this team uh, that year. That's not the Art Howe that was in that dugout, in the clubhouse, on the plane. That's not the same Art Howe that was in the movie. And you talked about when you got here, you realized, wow, this is kind of like when you're talking about Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, you're talking about three Hall of Famers. You saw that as soon as you got here, you saw the making of that. Oh, absolutely. I saw Mulder, Zito, Hudson. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. They, they literally... He was like the young Braves, because you got a young Tejada, a Chavez, got Mark Ellis in his rookie year. Again, these young guys that are passionate, that want to win. They want to prove themselves in the big leagues. They want to prove that they are all stars and they're all young. And I'm sitting here watching it like, man, this reminds me so much of how we were with the Braves. So they can be us. And that's literally what I was thinking. They can be us. How can I now? do what I can do, not only as a player on the field, but in the clubhouse, on the plane. What can I do to help that process of these young guys becoming what we were in Atlanta? Let's end on this. Oakland has this history of bringing stars at the end of their career in, and they finish their career here. And you've, you know, I've talked to Frank Thomas where he said this was the best year of his career uh, being here in Oakland. There's been a lot of guys dating back to the 70s. You're a part of that legacy of great players coming here to Oakland and ending your career. What does that mean to you? Well, I'm glad, and I'm glad that happened because I don't think – that I could have spent my last year in a better place for what I felt like my role would be for that team. Because I had come full circle. I mean, literally had come full circle where I was a veteran player in my last year, literally looking at a team that I thought was special, that could be great. And I'm right here literally looking at it and then thinking, how can I get them to believe that they're special and they're great? So I couldn't have picked a better team to play for in my last year. I'm just glad it happened that way. I'll tell you what. When you when you look back on it, and he made it a point 
to say it multiple times, uh, not only Art Howe was a portrayed correctly in Moneyball, but neither was he. <laughs> and I believe it because we saw it in the in the season ticket holder event where Dave just kind of like takes over. So it doesn't shock me when you think about Dave truly being the, you know, I thought about it. I could have my computer up here too, Cody. Um, I thought about, you know, no question, this guy is one of the leaders of the team because, I mean, think about who they are. They're still all young, right? They've done nothing. They've done 0-1. And here comes Dave Justice, who these guys, take like a guy like Tim Hudson, who grew up in the Southeast and a Braves fan, and Dave Justice walks through. Jay, Dave Justice has been playing for the Yankees. He played for those great Indians teams. Dave Justice is a star. And he comes in and he understands postseason. He understands talking to these guys. He, I mean, what a great fit. You know, I didn't, you know, in our interview, our, exclu- our exclusive with Billy Bean that you can hear on athletics.com slash acecast. I guess I wouldn't have to say that because obviously you're already on it. Watch, listening to it, or you can watch it like you are now. It's on YouTube. Uh, we didn't ask Billy about David, but we probably should have now that I think about it, of what David brought at that time. I mean, it's huge. It really is. I mean, he brought credibility, leaderships, uh, leadership, and an amazing amount of postseason time. There's nothing that he hasn't seen. He's seen the highs. He's seen the lows. But he lived his entire career, as he said, in the postseason. That is such valuable knowledge to bring into your clubhouse and pass on. And maybe he's only there a year. But like as T. Long said, and once again, that's probably something a lot of you didn't get to hear, but he said this in our our event that we did. T. Long grew up idolizing Dave Justice. How much Dave Justice helped T. Long. That was a big pickup for the A's in 02. Very, very big pickup. No question about it. How many playoff games do you think David Justice played? Oh, man. I mean, he it's, it's every year of his career. He played in, what, seven World Series? But they didn't have as many wild card races. See, what's tough about that question is they don't have as many they didn't have they didn't have as many games possibility. I mean, it's got to be over 50. Well over 50. Double it and add 12 more. It's 112 games in the yeah, postseason. Yeah, I mean, amazing. 398 career bats, 14 home runs, 63 runs driven in, 224 average. But you you mentioned the leadership he brought because he started playing with the Braves in 91 when he was 25 years old when they beat the Pirates in the NLCS and then lost in the World Series, as we know, Smoltz first, Jack Morris in Game 7. And then every year after that, 26 with the Braves, 27 with the Braves, 29 with the Braves. 31 with Cleveland, 33 with Cleveland, 34 with the Yankees. So he's he's had a great track record of being able to perform in the postseason. He was just a he was a 
he was a star before stars were really a big thing in baseball, especially because the way – because, you know, when you – when you for what? me, from people my age, because okay. it was yeah, like David to, Justice – was a guy. Then A. Rod burst onto the scene. So Babe Ruth wasn't a star in baseball. I, I didn't get to see. I didn't get to see a lot of his films. Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle. Those guys weren't star. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. They weren't stars. David Justice was the first star. You want to you want to retract that statement? By the way, well, I, so I said people my age, people that didn't grow up. Sandy watching. Koufax was not a star. Uh, Willie Mays. No, I mean, there's a lot of guys we we can throw in there. I mean, okay, you want to go 80s. Dwight Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, George Brett, Mike Schmidt. McGuire. Pete Rose. McGuire, not – I mean, he was just coming up. Jose Canseco wasn't a star in the 80s? He got even bigger when he came out of Madonna's apartment or penthouse or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> I mean, where else you want? Ricky Anderson wasn't a star? Hey, Ricky was pretty – Ricky was a nice Don player. Don Mattingly wasn't a star? Do you want to retract that statement that Dave Justice was the first baseball star? Well, that's what I meant, but sure. Yeah, I'll retract it. Okay. Just, just checking. That Dave Justice. So if someone's watching this, they're going, do you hear what they said on Ace Cast Live? Dave Justice was the first baseball star. I was thinking from purely from a uh, selfish I mean, you grew up in Pittsburgh. Barry Bonds was a star. He won mm. three MVPs in Pittsburgh. I was like four when he left. He was, I was three when he left Pittsburgh. There was, Our star was Kevin Young. There was baseball before you. I know. It's hard to believe what there was. I know. I know. <laughs> it's hard to believe that Nolan Ryan <laughs> who everybody knows who Nolan Ryan is. Even people who don't like baseball know who Nolan Ryan is. They're still making documentaries of Nolan Ryan. He was still uh, pitching before you were born. I know. Even the back in the day, the Pirates had a pretty good pitcher in themselves and Doug Drayback. If you I wanna... really wouldn't put him in the star category. No, but, but he was he was decent. He, was he, a nice, he had a nice little career. He was an all-star. Pitching some postseason games. Uh, well, he's not Nolan Ryan, but no. No. There's there's a reason why he doesn't have a plaque in Cooperstown, New York. But I will not, I will not degrade Doug Drayback. I mean, did he win a sigh? Or he got a lot of votes for certain yeah, years. Yeah, uh, I think he. I thought he did win one. I, I think he, he won one. I think it was ninety. It was Smiley who never got it. He won the Cy Young in nineteen ninety. See, yes, ninety knowledge. What? How many games did he win that year? Twenty-two. That's really good. Twenty-two and six. With a Doug Drayback was legit. With a two seven, but he's not Nolan Ryan for God's sakes. No, then he had, he did go on the play for the Astros after. So lineage with Nolan. I wouldn't have. You know what? I wouldn't have been able because remember when when you really hit eighties, you're in my sweet spot, and then in the nineties, you're in my. That's my sweet spot. That's kid. Baseball player to college to high school baseball player to college baseball. Those are my sweet spots. But if you would have said, where did Doug Drayback leave and go to? Would have never said the Astros. It was the Astros. But that, he's a Texan, right? So wasn't that something like going back home or something like that? He's from Victoria, Texas. Hey, that's the same place Stone Cold Steve Austin's built from when he wrestled. <laughs> it's just like Kevin Bacon. Oh, my God. Everybody's connected. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, he started his career at the Yankees. One of the great wrestlers of all time. Might be the – Well, yeah, I'll say it. One of the greatest – might be the greatest wrestler of all time. Not you're talking even about, close. If you're talking about popularity, what he brought into WWE, come on. No one will ever – Hulk Hogan made the sport. The sport is not the sport without Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan made wrestling mainstream. Before that, it was just a bunch of freak guys doing <laughs> fake stuff. Hulk Hogan, Rocky Three, put it on the map. 
Hulk Hogan sold the biggest pay-per-views. Hulk Hogan was mainstream America com- commercials. No disrespect to Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's truly great, but not a household name. Not, not as they used to say, Madison Avenue. He was a wrestler. Hulk Hogan was a star. I think the reason why people like Stone Cold so much is because of the he always him and Vince McMahon always feuding and him flipping off the boss and drinking beer and stunning it. Like he was, he encapsulated the middle the middle class America because everyone was so mad at but the boss. <laughs> wrestling, Hulk Hogan. Everybody knew who Hulk Hogan was. He was Thunder Lips and Rocky. He was a star. He made wrestling. There's nobody, not even The Rock. The Rock then left wrestling to become that star. That's not Dwayne Johnson for everyone who doesn't know who The Rock is. Yes. I mean, Hogan was, I mean, he turned it all around. He's the reason why. And as much as I love the macho man, Randy Savage, Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior and those guys are all like Stone Cold. They were wrestling guys. But you you left out your big guy, your number one guy, though. Oh, the Macho Man's my guy. I thought Flair was your guy. No, Macho Man was my guy. Flair, but Flair there too. All those guys are Hall of Fame, great wrestling personalities. Hogan transcended that. He also made it cool to be a bad guy when he turned, as they call heel, back with the Outsiders. He made wrestling, and I know we're not talking about baseball, but people love people like talking about old wrestling because I know we have a lot of fans that are wrestling fans. Uh, He made it cool to be a heel when it was supposed to be the good guy. When he turned on Sting and Macho Man and Lex Luger at Bash at the Beach, I only know that and well, the pay per view because I watched it again the other night because I have no life. My wife was away, so I had nothing to do that night. Well, you t- you got me back uh, when you took me to WrestleMania. You know where WrestleMania is at next year, right? Wait, what year was that? Twenty fifteen. I think it was at Levi's. Uh, let's see. I want to say it was WrestleMania thirty one. WrestleMania 31 was at Levi City on March 29th, 2015. 76,976 people were there. I remember Stephanie McMahon made a big, made a big deal saying, we have the biggest event ever at the history of the stadium. And I thought, well, that's a slap in the face of Jed York, but it was true at the time. No, not anymore. Not anymore, no. But where, where is this year's upcoming WrestleMania? SoFi Stadium in Las, Vegas, uh, Los Angeles. Inglewood, Inglewood, always up to no good. As Dr. Dre once said. Yeah. Two nights at WrestleMania. For the kids. Now, That's WrestleMania, for the kids. WrestleMania now two nights, Saturday and Sunday. That's crazy. It's when? been two nights. They when? do two nights. They have so what's, 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 when's the main event? Sunday night. They have like a minute, minute each night, but the big match is Sunday night. So Saturday night, they usually did the Hall of Fame inductions, right? Yes. I think they do it on Fridays now. Saturday they have it. Like this year, this past one, Stone Cold wrestled in his final match because in Texas. He was the main event on Saturday night. Sunday night was Roman Reigns so, and Brock Lesnar, I think. So now they're getting you for pay-per-view on two nights, or do you yes. buy it and you get it on well, both nights? you get it on both nights if you have the WWE Network brought to you by Peacock. Or you can buy it on pay-per-view. And we are in a Peacock building, by the yeah. way. It's, uh, what, I forget what it costs a month. I, I, buy, I still have someone else. But I'm gonna take your word for it that it'll it'll be good. I just I just I don't think I'm. Going. I, th- I think the odds. Well, you don't think you're going to L.A. for WrestleMania? I don't think I don't think my wife wants to go. So she's not a big wrestling fan. So your wife, who is a grown adult, uh, career woman, doesn't want to go down to WrestleMania <laughs> in Los Angeles. I mean, she's from there. Wow. Yeah, know, it's it's yes, mind blowing. Th- yes, this just happened in. Um, <laughs> In uh, Ace Cast Live history. 
Okay, I can bring it back to baseball quickly before Bip comes in. Patrick Corbin, the, there's a streak. I don't know if you saw not this. Not a professional wrestler. No, he's not. He, but he pitches for the Nationals. I don't know if you saw this the other day. The Nationals, I think I had where I have the note. He, he won the game the other day for the Nats. He helped them break a drought for starting pitchers. They won 43 straight games without a starting pitcher earning a victory. That was the last time uh, The last time they got a win was on July 6th when Josiah Gray did it. The previous record was 35 games set by the 1949 Washington Senators. 43 games they had. They won without a starting pitcher earning a victory. That just shows so, wait, you this is the record? Yeah, they just, the Nats set the record. The Nats broke their own record? Uh, Senators, yes, yeah, so essentially from 1930, 1949, 35 straight decisions. I mean, technically, yes, the, that franchise, but the a Washington baseball team held the record, and this Washington <laughs> baseball team yeah. broke that record. Yeah, 43 straight games without earning a, a victory. Because that 1949, that Washington Senators team became what? The Minnesota Twins. Yes. And then when they brought the Senators back, and then that Senators team became, became the Rangers. Became the Rangers. So essentially, they broke the Twins' record. Yeah, the 1949 Senators went 50 and 104. Uh, the current Washington Nationals, they are 43 and 85. So, but it made me think of Corbin because Corbin has 17 losses. He could be the first pitcher since. Well, I gave it to you earlier, but you can play it long. Mm -hmm. Since who did lose you 20 can games? Go, you can go. Because I was, I went Bonderman, former A. Part of the uh, Moneyball era, Jeremy Bonderman at a high school that supposedly Billy Bean did not want to draft and then got rid of, but he lost 19. 19, yeah. Same for year. For the Tigers. Same year. It was a Tigers pitcher. They won They won 43 games that year. Left-hander. He also led the team wins and, and losses. So, I don't know how that – Go be, ahead. Give it to him. Be the great Mike Maroth. Last guy to lose 20 games in the season. That was back almost 20 years ago. So, Corbin's trying to avoid history. Do you think any of the A's today are, like, super jacked that this is the first time the A's have played at the Nationals' new park? It's called Na it's called Nationals Park. Yeah. Nationals Park. Like, yeah. like, you build a new stadium in Washington, D.C., and the best name you can come up with is Nationals Park. Well, look That's how, it. Look how long it took the Marlins to get a name for their ballpark. It's finally Lone Depot Stadium or whatever it's called. I mean, even if you're not going to have a bank or um, – technology company or whatever you sat around in a in a room with a bunch of in a think tank with a bunch of people and said all right we're gonna sp spend i mean i don't know it costs a billion dollars to build whatever it costs what do you think we should name this joint nationals park <laughs> are we good with that i mean it's almost like a guy like Stepped into a room where there was a couple of people and said, hey, I got an idea. What do you guys think? Nationals Park, we're good, we're good. Okay, get on the phone. All right, we're going to make it Nationals Park. I mean, that's the best you could come up with. Could do a lot better. But then again, down the street from here, it's Oracle Park. I don't know. Well, um, the last time the A's played in D.C. was 2005 at RFK Stadium. The home of the Washington Redskins. Now they play at FedEx Field. The Commanders or the Washington football team never played at RFK. The Washington Redskins with the great Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. The only head coach ever to do that. Doug Williams. Rippin. Oh, 
the guy. Oh, why am I drawing a blank on the guy? It wasn't Hostetler, was it? No, he, he no. Hostetler. Uh, Jesus, Jeff Hostetler. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the last guy. Uh, he's the only one of them that's famous. Theisman. Joe Theismann. Oh, okay. All right. Theismann, Rippin, and Doug Williams. Yep. There you go. RFK, which also was the home of the uh, military bowl that San Jose State won years ago when we finished 20th in the country with the great David Foles. Uh, that's when they – I mean, David Foles. That was me. the year that they beat uh, Derek Carr when Fresno was undefeated, right? That was when Derek was at the height of his powers. I was at the game. Yeah, they had a really good team that year. So, what are we doing with Bipster here? I'm waiting for him. He said he might be a few minutes late, so. All right, then let's uh, let's get to Art Howe here. Okay. Art Howe. I got to tell you, this was an emotional event for Art. For some, this, I think this has been building in Art since the movie Moneyball, where he was, somebody had to be the villain, right? They didn't care that Art Howe is the nicest, sweetest human being in the world and that everybody loves him. For the movie, they needed a villain. So they said, let's make the manager the villain. And the manager fights Billy. It's a movie. It really hurt Art. The, the portrayal of him being a bad guy, it hurt. Art loved being the manager here, loved his players, had great success. And in this interview, you're going to hear it. I wish you could see it. He broke down, choked up. He had tears. Who would have thought? I thought we were just going to do a quick interview. Hey, isn't this great? I mean, he got emotional in this interview. Here is my interview with the great Art Howe. All right, we're here with the great Art Howe. This has got to be such a special moment. These are your guys. It was a wonderful team. Just what is it like to come back? Uh, it's just awesome. Uh, it's a, and what you said about being a, an awesome team and a great team, is that's an understatement. Uh, it just seemed like the camaraderie on this team was special. Uh, these guys came to work every day and enjoyed it. Our clubhouse was alive with all kind of fun before games. But once the bell rang, the game started, they were serious as a heart attack and went out there and just grounded out. Uh, and the way we won the last three, four ball games, it was so exciting, even for us on the coaching staff. You know, we just felt like sooner or later somebody was going to step up and get a big hit for us because they had done it for like over two weeks straight. And Miggy was a big part of it. You know, the last couple of wins before Hattie hit the, the home run in the final game of the 20-game stretch. But it was just so much fun. Uh, and this ballpark was electric. I mean, they, they lifted this team up. I think that's more than anything. That's the reason we kept winning. The fans just wouldn't let us lose. So I, I think going into that season, I mean, there's a lot of pressure. You got a good ball club, but you're losing Giambi, you're losing Damon, you're losing Isringhouse. And we talked to Billy Bean about that. I mean, there was a lot of pressure to keep this thing rolling and replace those guys, and you did. Yes, we did. And we were very grateful that we were able to get quality players to fill in for those guys. Billy Koch came in and just had a miraculous season for us as our closer. And we didn't know what we were going to get from him when the season started, but we knew he had a great arm and we were going to give him the opportunity. And he took the took the opportunity and did a great job. Uh, and the other players, you know, bringing Hatterberger in to play a little first base, helped us out there because nobody's going to replace Jason Giambi. I mean, he's, he was MVP. He's a great player. But uh, somehow these guys were bound and determined to let everybody know that we weren't just a you know two- or three-man team. It was a team. 
I think of a guy that had to step up, and we haven't seen him back. Now, we saw him with other teams, but haven't seen him back come to celebrate him. It's Miguel Tejada, and he was huge for you. He was the MVP. And he deserved it. I mean, what a year he had. Uh, just Johnny on the spot. Just seemed like every time we needed that big hit late, you know, Miggy, Miggy was in heat. I mean, he was hitting balls all over the ballpark, hitting it out of the yard when we needed it, but uh, getting a big base hit if we needed that. Uh, he just showed everybody what he was made of at that time, that he was the best player in the American League at that time. You've been in baseball for many years. I mean, you're a baseball man. What exactly does 2002 mean to you in your career? Well, it's it's way, way up there. Let's face it. Uh, more than anything, I know the streak was an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, it, it is really amazing that we were able to do that. But it's the, the relationships that I was able to develop not only with my coaching staff but with the players we were a close-knit group and uh, they were like my sons actually you know playing for me and I tried to give them all an opportunity and they all stepped up and made me look good well what do you think it's uh, gonna mean to you we're a little time away when you get that huge ovation because you will always be an Oakland A's fan favorite <sighs> well just talking to you about it I just hope I can keep my composure because this means everything to me. I hope you know that. I mean, there, there, there is such a fondness for you and this group. You, I didn't want to say it when we were doing the season ticket holder thing, but you guys really helped save baseball in Oakland. Well, I'm glad we could do that. And as I mentioned, it was my last year here. I wish I had been able to stay longer because my wife and I, we have talked about my my best stays as far as a manager and we both agree that Oakland was the best for me and uh, and my family we we love the people here they treated us really really well and but you know you have to move on and uh, you know I, I I wish them the best because they got in the playoffs the very next year Ken Maka took over my reins when I left and they did a great job and just came up a little short it just seemed like there's always one crazy play that kept the A's from getting to the World Series, but uh, someday it'll happen again. Enjoy the moment. You deserve every minute of it. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Powerful stuff. I Like I said, I wish you could have seen um, just the emotion, the raw emotion that was happening for him. And, you know, I'm going to tell you the story that Clay Wood told me. Head, head groundskeeper for the athletics. And to note, just to kind of give you an idea what kind of guy Art Howe is. After 2001, the 2001 team took their playoff shares and did not distribute anything to the grounds crew, which... You're supposed to. Everybody, everybody a part of it's supposed to get something, right? And Clay's guys got stiffed. Art Howe wrote a check out of his own pocket for what they should have gotten. Handed the check to Clay Wood and said, Clay, I apologize that your guys got left out distributed amongst the guys and it'll never happen again trust me now 
I want you to think about that. That's on the players, right? That was the players that were supposed to handle that. Art took care of all the grounds guys with his own money. That's the kind of man Art Howe is. And that's why it's so tough for everybody that Philip Seymour Hoffman, one of the great actors of his time, God rest his soul, ends up playing Art Howe, doesn't look like him, doesn't act like him. And actually, when you really think about it, Art Howe was portrayed kind of just as the old baseball guy. He wasn't, a, like, hurting anybody. He just he was disagreeing with Billy Bean wanting to run a team a certain way. It wasn't like Art Howe in the movie killed somebody or, you know, was a true villain. He didn't off anybody. You're telling me he wasn't a – he was portrayed as a heel, if we go back to the wrestling term. Not even really. When you really think about it, all he did was tell Billy that his stuff was stupid and he just didn't agree with it. Yeah. And wanted to play the guys he wanted to play. That's that, that – that, I mean, is it overblown? I mean, it's not like that. Like I said, it wasn't like Art Howe was walking around in the movie with a machete taking off people's arms. I mean, I mean that's – he just disagreed. Billy's doing stuff we've never seen before, and this is what the movie's all about. Well, he doesn't want to do it that way. Oh, what a villain. I mean, he really wasn't a villain, but it hurt. Clearly hurt for Art. And, you know, it is what it is. And it bugs a lot of people, and it was mentioned multiple times by the players. You know, players didn't love the movie because the movie, it's not a documentary. So there's things in it, they go, that didn't happen, and that didn't happen, and, you know, they came out, like, no, we didn't have to pay for Cokes, or that's ridiculous. I mean, there's so much stuff, but it's a movie. It's not a documentary. It's a movie. They're trying to get people to come to a movie theater and spend money. So they're going to have liberties with, with, with certain things that actually really happened. Get over it, people. It was successful. This wasn't a documentary of the 2002 team that started with, Spring training on the way. You know, that's not how it went. But for Art Howe, tough. It hurt him. And, you know, I think I can speak to this quite a few times. There's people who have left here. They left and they didn't want to. I think I can speak to that. With quite a few. There's been. It's just the way. It's the way we've rolled. Right? Like. Hey, the New York Mets are going to pay you a lot more money. Thanks, Art. See ya. I mean, Ken Maka. Yeah, you're gone. Well, now you're back. Bob Melvin. We just. We just exercise the. We just exercise exercise the option to your contract, Bob. Oh, by the way, San Diego's calling because we heard about the Mets and Billy and Bob going to the Mets. San Diego hears this and calls up Billy and says, hey, can we talk to him? No trade compensation? Bob Melvin just got to walk for nothing. We said, okay, oh, yeah, they're going to give you four years, $12 million. Good luck, Bob. Great. 
I'm I'm telling you right now. If there was a bigger effort to keep Art Howe, he would have never left for New York. If there was any effort, like to say, all right, Bob, we exercise your option. The owner hemmed and hawed about it. We finally picked it up. We had a press conference. Are we good? And now San Diego comes in and goes four years, 12, 12 mil. If there was an actual, you know what, Bob, forget San Diego. Take this option. We'll add three more years. It's a four-year deal. Bob would have never left. Bob didn't want to leave. I'm not saying we've pushed anybody out the door, but I'm also saying we didn't, like, fight to keep anybody. Part of Moneyball. Save money. Not gonna pay, spend twelve million on a manager. Save money. Bob Melvin's contract that was guaranteed for this year now off the books. So it's it's interesting how if you really if you know I I don't know what this will ever come if there's a Moneyball two point or whatever, but yeah it's the way this organization has rolled. We'll 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 keep moving. We'll keep moving on. And if you got a bigger better deal, see you later. Good luck. But there's a lot of guys that have been a part of this A's family who didn't want to leave it. But when you have someone else coming and they're offering you love, Bob Melvin doesn't need another dime in his life. Bob Melvin is wealthy beyond baseball. But you want love. Someone else wants to give you that love. Art Howe, if you would have said to Art Howe, and we knew Billy was, there was some between old school and what Billy wanted to do between him and Art. But if Billy would have said, Art, I love you, here's a contract, they would have signed it, Art didn't want to leave. None of these guys wanted to leave. We let them leave. We could have had them if we wanted. It's part of this, it's part of this organization's history. I mean, think about that. Bob Melvin had his option picked up in his contract. San Diego comes, offers Bob a four-year deal. You then turn around, hire Mark Kotze to what? Three-year new manager. But to what? Manage the team. Contract. Oh, yeah. How long? I'm afraid how many years it was now. I think it was three years. Yeah. I was going to say I was going to say four. I can't remember what it was. I think it was three years. What, you couldn't have picked up Bob's option like you did and put two more years on the contract? Instead, you waited, said, ah, we'll do a Katze, and gave him three years. It's interesting how this whole thing has rolled for many, many years. But there's been a lot of success. And that's why you say now with the street cred, I mean, look at what the Nationals are dealing with. The Nationals just won the World Series. They had stars. Hell, they let Bryce Harper. They said, see you to Bryce Harper. They let him go. They weren't going to match the Philly deal. Let him go. Scherzer, Trey Turner, traded to L.A. Juan Soto. Juan Soto to me is different. I mean, they did everything. I mean, yeah, yeah for a guy. 
you know, we got to, I believe everything I read on the internet, right? So I'm going <laughs> to believe that, what was it, what was the last off, 449? So four? like 450, I thought, somewhere around there. You offer a guy, you offer a guy 450 million, he still tells you no. And at some point I'm looking like, yeah, he walks a lot. Great. Let's look at old Juan Soto. I had a buying or selling question on him. I want to see if, if it's still accurate. I forgot to look at the stats since because they played last night. So a guy who just turned down four hundred and you want to just call it four fifty? No, just say four fifty. We're just gonna call it four hundred fifty million. Is hitting a whopping two fifty two. Twenty four home runs, fifty two RBIs. So basically. He hits a lot of solo home runs. Basically, half of his RBIs are solo home runs. But what does he do? He walks. He has more walks than hits. The last guy to do that was Joey Gallo last year. But Gallo doesn't hit for average. I mean, the guy walks. He walks. Great eye. He walks. Do you think the walk will change the, the the importance of a guy's eye? And I just I'm just thinking out loud here. Will the importance of a Juan Soto a Juan Soto saying, "Oh, look at his eye." Do you think that'll change when we get the mechanical strike zone and now the strike zone will be now more consistent in a perfect world? the strike zone will be more consistent than ever before. Yes, I think it will be different. I don't so think I don't think I don't think the walk will because of the strike zone. The walk will still be important because yeah. you're getting on base. You want to get on base. But, but I don't think that it's going to be completely different because guys is their whole approach at the, at the bat is going to be uh, when they're up at bat is going to be different. In you'll, my opinion, you'll truly know your strike zone. It's yes. not based off the umpire and how he views it. You'll know your strike zone. Yeah, you know where you know where if the ball's outside, it's going to be called a ball. So now I'm going to have more guys who walk more. So maybe his great skill isn't as great. It's a fair point. I mean, because that's what we're valuing. I mean, everything. And he turned down four hundred and fifty million. By the way, how many? How many? This guy's one of the all-time greats, right? He's slugger. He's a slugger. Well, you're trying to compare him to Ted Williams. Twenty-one games of San Diego. He's got three home runs. Yeah, uh, it's not been great for him or him nor Josh Bell. I how think- many doubles? Six. I'm Three. I'm just he's got three. He's got six extra base hits. This guy that's supposed to be the end all end all of greatness has got six hits. I believe this month they're fourteen and thirteen after they won last night against the Giants. They were supposed to, they were supposed to propel them to catch the Dodgers. The Dodgers are now nineteen and a half games ahead of the Padres in the NL West. And this guy turned down four hundred and fifty million because I'm just going to walk more than anybody else and hit some homers. Not great defensively. Franny didn't want to touch that. Not great defensively. Not really that fast. He walks. Yeah. He's twenty three and he walks and hits some homers. And that Ted Williams at twenty three is hitting like three forty. This guy's hitting two fifty. It's a very uh, it's a down year for Juan Soto, as they would say. And he wants and he turned down four hundred fifty million, almost half a billion dollars. 
All righty, that is going to do it for A's Cast Live from San Francisco, the NBC studios. Always love being here. We'd like to thank our buddy Kevin Franzen, TV broadcaster, former player, Bay Area kid, for coming on. Hope you enjoyed the Dave Justice and the Art Howe. Unfortunately, our buddy Bip Roberts wasn't able to stop by, but maybe we'll book him for tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow we're going to have Mike Farron, Martin Gallegos from D.C. talk about Ken Waldachuk, saying that they're planning on playing the game tonight. And... Sean Doolittle. Up next, A's Total Access right here on A's Cast. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The Eno Sarah Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.